Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 41. And to get us started, a picture will come up on the screen of a young couple that was part of the church for a long time. It's Austin and Marissa Kirby. And the little one there in the picture is Naira. They named their little one, little girl Naira. Uh, Another picture of Naira. Yep, there you go, just to give you some warm, fuzzy feelings. Baby picture of Naira. You may have never heard of the name Naira before. And it will only make sense if maybe I give you a little background. Um, Back to the family portrait. Austin grew up on the mission field. His parents were missionaries in Kenya. He married Marissa, who also has a heart for missions. And even in the last few months, they just got uh, stationed in Kenya, in uh, Nairobi, Naira, and it had been part of their calling and heart's desire for years because Austin, much of his early life experience and spiritual development happened in Nairobi, and hence that's why uh, eight months ago when they had a baby, they called her baby Naira. Does that make sense? There's six people still going, I don't get it, but like most of us, Naira. Now, whether you like the name Naira or not, doesn't matter. Basically, it's this reality that they connected uh, their daughter's name to an important spiritual connection or vision or calling in their life. It's just one example of naming, the name of a child reveals a priority of a parent. And this is not all that unusual. My guess is some of us were named after a a great aunt or uncle or a grandma. or How many of you were named after someone significant in your family's life? Probably a number. Here's also my guess is you were probably not named after your weird serial killer uncle. (laughs) Right? You don't name kids after, right? You name after good, wonderful priorities. In our house, we actually decided when we, we, we've got three children, my wife's name's Denise, we have three kids, and we named them all Bible names just because of the Bible's important to us. This strategically naming, using names to reveal a priority is uh, part of the biblical account. Old Testament, there's a guy named Moses. Most of us have heard of Moses, and that's a reference to early in his life when he was a baby, Pharaoh's daughter uh, pulled him out of a basket that was in water. And and the word, the name Moses means to draw out. Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of water. The name Jesus is not just a random name. God gave directions to Mary and Joseph says she will give birth to a son. He will give him the name Jesus 
Because Jesus is a form of the name Joshua, which means to save. He will save his people from their sins. Into the New Testament, uh, Jesus is looking for foundation stones to build the church, the ministry. And he changes Peter's name from Simon to Peter. Because Peter means rock, and it says, on this rock, I will build my church. The significance of naming children according to a priority or a spiritual principle. So hold those thoughts. We're in this series called Joseph Facing the Twists and Turns of Life, and we're, we're really exploring the life story of Joseph, 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 and uh and uh, the reason we started with that idea of naming is because we're going to get to a part in the story of Joseph's life where he's going to name two of his sons, and he's going to have specific strategic names for these boys according to two characteristics of God. So let me give you a background. Joseph uh, has grown up with both positive and negative experiences. Welcome to the real world. Amen? Okay. He had some great times when he was little. He had favor from his father, but then he was kind of under attack by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. So he's had these ups and downs. As we get close to the scene we're going to read about, he is settling into adulthood. It's been a real downtime, but it's going to get better. Because he's going to basically in a day be raised, he's in prison, but he's going to be raised up to a very high position in Egypt. And how it happens is he is invited, because he has dream interpretation skills, and he's invited to interpret a dream that Pharaoh had, and he so nails the dream that Pharaoh immediately basically says, hire this guy. Because he was that impressive. And so he ends up running the economy of Egypt. So at present, he's about 30 years old. He's in a great position, and he starts to have a family. Verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring... From his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. That's like giving him the corporate credit card. Big deal. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Bounce to verse 45. Joseph gave, I'm sorry, Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanath Paneah and gave him As. Asenath, daughter, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, to be his wife. Uh, fill in a few years, Joseph is in this position, managing the economy of Egypt, which was a huge high position. Go to, to verse 50, and it says, Before the years of famine came, here we go, here we go, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, 
and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Verse 52, And the second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Let's go back to verse 51 and 52 again. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Title of the talk is There's Something in a Name. And what I want to do is explore these two characteristics. Joseph had such an experience and understanding of God that he, that he names his kids after these realities of who God is. And so I want to remind us if these are new ideas for us or for the first time, we're going to get to know a little bit about this God that many of us are trying to serve. So let me, uh, let me pray. Father, be our teacher. I've got some things I think you want me to say, but they won't stick if your Holy Spirit is not the primary teacher in the room. So I just pause, a bunch of us pause, and say, come Holy Spirit, be our guide, our teacher, our encourager, our challenger. If we need rebuke, how about some of that? Whatever it is we need, will you bring it to the room during the teaching time? In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas here from these names Joseph gave to his kids. The first one is this. Joseph named a child after God's ability to, here's where you can take some notes, take him, Joseph, beyond the bad. Beyond the bad. <laughs> bad. B-A-D. Isn't it good to have simple words you can actually spell? Has anyone totally lost their spelling skills now that spell check is part of the deal? Yeah. Sometimes I'll write my own name and think, is that right? And then I spell check it and like, yeah, okay, we're good. All right. Anyway, beyond the bad. Verse 51, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble. I want to pause because I have a mental tangent here for those of us that are older because there's a song that some of you young people will have never heard ever for forget your troubles come on get happy and then to take all your cares away Sing hallelujah come on get happy i give a ready for the children today whatever right <laughs> it's a song yeah i know don't encourage it but just for some old, how many, there are some, remember that? That's an old Judy Garland. Somebody, you should check her out on social media, young people. Yeah, she's not there. But she's probably, you know, it's probably been, but it, young people, I mean, young people are totally lost, never heard that song. It's okay, we love you. Just give us old people. You've never heard that? Okay. Yeah, I know, you're cutting edge. <laughs> cutting edge Corey, that's who he is. Anyway. That was totally irrelevant, except for the text says that, that Joseph names his son after this God who can have, help him forget these troubled times. Now, the words there in the original language, pretty simple. It basically means what it, right? It means to forget, to be forgetful, to, to have been forgotten. 
one of the things that struck me is it includes with finality. So this is not a short brain bleep where you go, oh yeah, I just happened to kind of forget about it for a moment. No, this is a, a forgetting, it's gone. And in this case, they're talking about Joseph's troubles, his labors, his toil. It even includes misery. And if you know the story of Joseph, we've been studying it, he had some pretty miserable times. So it'll be up on the screen. These are some things that he has been going through for the last 13 years, all right? He was separated from his family as a teenager. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape, and he was sent to jail. Now, some of us should feel a little better about our life when you look at what he went through, right? Those are big deals. That's a miserable season. Few people would argue that that's not a really significant, um, rough patch in life. But listen, and God does something so amazing in his life that somehow this experience now he is having a son and naming that boy after God's ability to help him forget all that trauma and junk. You can write this in. God changed Joseph's situation so much that it caused, that it erased even the bad memories. Who could use a little bit of that? God changed Joseph's situation so much that it erased even the bad memories. And you might think, no way. Can't do, no one can do that. Can I give you, uh, let me give you an average illustration. Welcome to the vineyard, average illustration. This is possible. Uh, over the last year and a half, I don't remember specifically when it was. It may have been last spring. We got an unforeseen bill from a, a big utility company. We were expecting a bill of, you know, $46, and there was a $4,000 surcharge. Now, I don't know about your finances. I don't know about your finances, but in my finances, that was a thing. Like, all of a sudden, you owe us four grand. By the way, if $4,000 is nothing to you, we all want to be your friend <laughs> so that you can take us out to dinner, all of us, after church. Okay. But you know how you're like, wait, what? And so that opened, that started about a two-week period of interacting with the utility company with questions like, what? <laughs> like, what are we doing? And what is this for? And I didn't sign up for that. And it was this, and I, I don't want to compare it to Joseph's misery, misery, but it was a pretty yucky two weeks of conversation after conversation. And initially, and for most of the time, they were saying, no, no, I, I understand, Mr. Pope, but this is a legitimate charge. In other words, you're going to be on the hook for this four grand until... I was in a conversation, we'll call her Sheila. I don't remember 
until I was in a conversation with Sheila. I had had a lot of conversations. And I remember being on the phone with Sheila, and Sheila said something like, you know, Mr. Pope, just a minute. I think we've made a mistake. Will you hold? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> For as long as you want me to hold, I will hold. And in just a few minutes then, she came back on the phone and she said, Mr. Pope, I am so sorry. I took care of that. You are good. And I said, I love you. <laughs> this may sound creepy. Don't tell my wife, but I love you, Sheila. Have, I didn't say that to her. That would have been really creepy. Uh, but anyway, I was like, so here's a question. Did Sheila's activity, did it take away the difficulty of the last two weeks? Let me answer the question. It did. Like, it did. I, even now, if I mentally go back to those two weeks, they say, oh, how are you doing? I'm like, I am totally good because of what Sheila did in that situation. This is possible, you guys. That's just Sheila. Come on, let's talk about what God can do when he changes our situations. This is the kind of thing that God does, can do. In Mark chapter 5, there was a woman who had an issue of 12 years of menstrual bleeding. She, she has an encounter with Jesus, and she's healed. And I would bet money that if you talk to her three days after, you say, how you doing? She would say, I am stinking good. I am so good. Life is so good. Another example in Mark chapter 5, there's a man who's gotten so messed up emotionally, spiritually, uh, socially. He's living away from community. He's living out on a, like, it would be like out, outside of town in the cemetery. He's cutting himself and crying out in the middle of the night. It's a mess. Has an encounter with Jesus. And everything is made right and well and good. And my guess is, he didn't stay living in the cemetery, right? In John chapter 9, there's a story of a man who was blind from birth. And he gets healed. And there's a, there's a community of people that keep asking him about his blindness. Well, how did it happen? And were you always blind? They keep talking about this blind thing. And I'm paraphrasing. But at one point, he says, he says, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. Do you guys want to talk about the whole blind thing? Great, but I am, this is my interpretation, man. I'm just glad to be where I am. That's the kind of thing that God can do. There's no record of them, of them struggling. It's this release from the past into the present goodness of God. Now, just to make this a little more practical, because I'm guessing most of us would like those kind of experiences, I'm going to give you a couple hints. Most of this all has to do with God. It's the glory of God. God gets credit for those activities in our life. But there are two things that I see Joseph did that may have helped set the stage for this new season of wonderful in his life. So let me give you two hints before we move on. First hint is this, stay engaged during the trial. Stay engaged 
during the trial, even if it's miserable. Like, stay engaged. Uh, the Joseph story includes when Joseph is in prison, some guys come and say, hey, can you interpret this dream? And Joseph does, which, by the way, was a skill of Joseph's. And Joseph doesn't say, I'm interpreting your dream. My life stinks and I'm in prison. Go find another dream interpreter. <laughs> does, that, but he, does that make sense? He still, he has no idea that ultimately that's part of what's going to get him out of prison. But instead of being self-centered and so sad that we're doing nothing, he says, well, dream interpretation. I can help you with that. He helps them. That's part of the story. Recently, I've, a couple times in a couple of teachings outside of the church, um, I've taught on Psalm 23, and I want to give you a verse. Psalm 23 is the, Lord is, God is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want psalm. You may have heard of it. Verse 4 says this. This is good. This is really good. Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, it says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I just want us to notice, notice a detail. It says, even though I walk through walk through the valley. It doesn't say, even though I sit my keister in the valley for an extended period of time. Yes, I said keister in church. Yes. Do that. Does that make sense? That this is really important. There is no promise. That, like the simple point is this. Don't stop in the dark valley. It might be hard, but don't just sit there. There is no promise that God will just sit there with us in the dark. He will say, let's keep walking, and then you get through. And you know, you get through the valley, then there's some good stuff on the other side, right? Keep walking. So that's a hint. Stay engaged during the trial. The other hint is fully embrace the new season. Fully embrace the new season. Joseph is not in prison anymore, so he doesn't act like he's in prison anymore. This is the don't live in the past thing. I think if Joseph were present day and he had been through the separation, let's just pretend, present day, 2022, part of his story is separated from family, sold by his brothers into slavery, falsely accused of rape, end up in jail for several years because of it. I think there would be someone when Joseph, all of a sudden his situation's changed, and now he's got this great job, and he's running the show, and all that, there would be someone that would say, Joseph, don't move too quickly. Don't you think we should stop and process some of the hurt that you've been through? Do you think somebody would do that? I think somebody would do that. And what I want to do now is, is give you just a little gentle pastoral advice. I'm going to sit down because I'm going to make some of you mad and people rarely hit people who are sitting down. <laughs> so this is, this is the whole sit down on the chair thing. Ready? <laughs> Be careful. Be careful in our culture because people will Maybe they're well-meaning, but they will, in an unhealthy way, try to attach you 
permanently to some difficulty you had in the past. And I'm telling you, some of it is incredibly unhealthy because it was three months ago or it was three years ago. And was it hard? Yes, but it's not where you're living now. So, so be careful. Does that, does that make sense? And uh, um, there's a real devil who would love to take a trauma and ruin, okay, it ruined your day. But listen to this. As we put our hand in the hand of God, that will not ruin our life. It will not. Be cautious about, we're slinging around psychological terms, PTSD. How about G-O-D, who can get us past the PTSD? Sometimes for, does that make sense? Joseph, you talk about a mess, and he's naming a son after God's ability to take him past the junk. He had 13 years of junk, and now he's celebrating that he's forgotten it. So does that make sense? I just want to pause and pray for a moment. God, in the midst of all the voices, pray that yours would reign supreme. And I declare, I thank you, that you are not limited by anything that happened to us yesterday or 34 years ago. And if I have this much authority... I pray protection around us, around our church family, that you would give us wisdom in the midst of all kinds of voices that we, yeah, we just need you, God. We just so need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5.17, yeah, uh, just an important verse. You guys read it. I'm putting my chair away. I didn't say read it out loud. I said, you could read it to yourself, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. Everybody say, gone. Gone. The new is here, so enjoy it. All right, uh, so that's take away the bad. Second point. Did we fill in all the blanks for that? All right, second point. Joseph named a child after God's ability to make him productive amidst problems. Productive amidst problems. This point is not a lot different, but he names his second son Ephraim. It's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Fruitful in the land. Uh, uh, let me, we'll get back to the text in a minute. Let me give you a picture of where we're headed. We used to live in a house on Weber Drive in Mishawaka, kind of north of Penn High School. And the soil there was really easy to be fruitful. It was really easy to dig. We had a garden, and it was easy to hoe or till up. It was just good kinds of, had the right mix of sand and dark earth stuff, all right? And then we moved to the south side uh, on County Line Road, where the ground is heavy clay. And if you don't know what that is, in, in the summertime, it's like concrete. 
you, you start to try to hoe it up or dig a hole and you sit back. And I remember being there where we thought, oh, well, we'll have a garden. And, and then probably we even said it out loud. There's nothing, nothing will grow here. This is a horrible piece of land to try. Nothing will ever grow in this concrete stuff. So that was the mentality. Just let me bring a little clarity when we thought such is the case. These are some pictures I just took Friday or Thursday. So you can look not far from our house. There's, yeah, nothing will ever grow here. There's 50-foot trees out that we can see out our window. This is uh, our neighbor's cornfield. Yeah, nothing will grow there. The corn's like eight feet tall, right? Oh, then I snuck into my neighbor's driveway and I took a picture of their garden underneath that, their fruit tree thing. It was a little creepy. I hope they didn't see me, but I went in anyway. <laughs> but I want to say that I had mistakenly, we had mistakenly too quickly, that's probably a good word, too quickly thought this is just a barren, horrible place. Nothing good will ever grow in this place. And we were wrong. We were wrong. Now, that doesn't have to do with our ability. It has to do with God's ability to grow stuff. It would be easy for Joseph, because of his bad situation, we can put it up on the screen again, right? Separate from family, sold into slavery. He's now a foreigner in this land. He's been accused of rape, sent to jail, all those things. It would be so easy for him, and maybe he thought it, like this is never, ever going to get good. But he is wrong, wrong, wrong. Because God makes him fruitful in this land. Here you can write this in. God is never limited by our challenging situation. Never limited by our challenging situation. In fact, you could argue sometimes when our situation is the most challenging, God produces the most fruit. In Exodus chapter 1, God's people are being oppressed with forced labor. labor. They were slaves, and they, their slave masters were just mean. And the next part of the verse, one verse later, says, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. Well, that doesn't make sense. That's God. In 2 Corinthians, there's a, the writer, his name is Paul. One of the most fruitful people that God ever used to change the world and bring the gospel to people. And he says, I delight. I delight in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He goes on a lot to talk about when he's weak, God intervenes and does big, powerful things. You could argue that Paul changed the world from a prison cell. By the way, he didn't just sit in the valley, the dark valley in prison cell. He began to write letters to churches. Those things are still, they're, they're, they're what make up a, a third of the New Testament. Incredibly productive in a difficult time. We should never underestimate what God can do in our present situation. I've said it this way before, 
Someone told this to me early on in my Christian walk. And it says, God can draw an awfully straight line with an awfully crooked stick. Now, I don't know what our crooked sticks are. You might think, well, but I'm really sick. You don't know what God might do. You might think, well, I'm single. Well, there's someone two rows away from you going, like, I'm married. <laughs> you think you got problems, <laughs> right? There's, there, hey, keeping it real at the vineyard. Or there's people going, no, God will really start to use me when I have a family, when I have kids. And then the other person's like, whenever I get rid of these kids, God will. <laughs> you might think, there's no way God can use me. My, my internet is so slow. <laughs> can't, I can't make a difference. I live in a one-bar world. Never mind. Somebody just started thinking about drinking right then. <laughs> They, they haven't been paying attention the whole time. They went, wait, one bar? Only, only one bar? Oh, God could never use that. Okay. <laughs> ah. uh, we're going to wrap up, but I want to clarify two things. One, with this idea of you can be fruitful right, right where you are. This is not a message about the power of the human spirit. Okay. This is not like, if you just be you, and you just keep, that you by yourself, uh, zero. Us, there's a, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, if we just, you just be you, and everything will be great, and just, just, just you by yourself, Nothing. You may make it through life. You'll have no eternal value. You will not. And, and in the end, you'll be punished because you ignore God your whole life. It is God's power. It is us connecting with God. God, ah, oh, Joseph was so good because he acknowledged, he named his son. God, right, has made me fruitful in this barren, difficult land of suffering. Don't forget the God Part. Just don't. 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 God, will you forgive us for the countless conversations that remove you from the picture? We are pretty stupid sometimes. Last fill in the blank. Am I ready to be productive where I am? Where you are. Great season or difficult season, God can make you, can bring goodness, productivity in your life. So to recap, Joseph named his kids after God's ability to take him beyond the bad and to make him productive amidst problems. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into what could be an important opportunity for prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.